Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. Tonight, we are going to talk about the slippery slope fallacy. Is it really a fallacy? Uh, Is it wise to think about the slippery slope? And how does it interact? How how does it affect how we lead ourselves in Christ? And how does it affect how we are led in Christ by our shepherds or how we submit to the local congregation? The episode tonight was inspired by a comment that was actually on another episode that I did entitled, Uh, what was said versus what was heard, in which I talked about how people hear things. And there are three walls, as it were, around a person's mind, cognitive dissonance, selective perception, selective exposure. And I want you to look those up. Cognitive dissonance, selective perception, selective exposure. And we had a really good conversation, and it's all about matters of judgment and matters of law. And that's we're going to touch on that a little bit tonight, but I wanted to set that up because I wanted to read to you the comment, and then I want to give you some the background of it. Now listen, I truly believe people get upset even though they may see the scriptural content to be true, but become afraid of a slippery slope that could open the floodgates of denominational abuse down the road, rather than keeping with the truth. And if error creeps up to handle it, then, rather than stifle liberty for fear of falling into, into apostasy, this is quite possibly one of the most insightful responses to a podcast that I've had concerning matters of judgment and matters of law and how to discern between the two and why it is such a a weird thing and such a hot topic whenever we start talking about these matters of judgment and our liberty in Christ Jesus. And there's a lot of implication here. One of the implications is this. Most people want to do what is right. They don't want to do any more than they're allowed to do, and they want to do everything they are supposed to do. And it took me a lot of years to get that through my thick skull. Because I'm going to tell you, when I first started in ministry and when I first started doing online ministry and people would send me questions and I would be in contact with people from all over the world and they would send me questions and I would get discouraged. I would be like, well, these people, they always ask me, is it sin to do this? Is it sin to do that? Can I do this? Do I have to not do that? I'm like, these people just want to see how close they can get to committing sin without actually committing sin. That is wrong. I do not believe that I was correct. Let me tell you what I think it is. I think when people want to know how much they are allowed to do and they want to know exactly what is required of them, it is so that they can, A, fulfill their responsibilities in the Lord, and B, they want to be able to enjoy the full life Jesus Christ has bestowed upon them 
through his sacrifice. I think about John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Now listen to this comment again. This is in the comment of why do people, whenever, whenever I talk about liberty in Christ, and I talk about how we actually ought to enjoy more liberty than we actually do, why do people push back against it so much? And I, I'm going to read this comment in its entirety again because it's a good one and it's insightful. I truly believe people get upset talking about liberty in Christ, even though they may see the scriptural content to be true. In other words, even though they can see what I'm teaching and see the truthfulness of it, they get upset. Well, why? Because they become afraid of a slippery slope that could open the floodgates of denominational abuse down the road. In other words, they're concerned with being within the confines of what is right. They're concerned with doing what God wants them to do and not one thing more. Remember, speak where the Bible speaks. Be silent where the Bible is silent. Do Bible things in Bible ways. Call Bible things by Bible names. I want to do what it is I'm supposed to do. And I want to enjoy the things that I want to enjoy. And I don't want to go beyond and I don't want to fall short. So is it okay for us to have a Christmas tree in the foyer of the church building? You know, there's no verse against that. But is that going to open the floodgates for denominational abuse down the road? That's a very good conversation to have. And I think what happens, and this goes back to the spirit of the podcast about what was said versus what was heard, whenever you know Aaron Dotson and myself or any other preacher or teacher starts talking about our liberty in Christ around certain issues, what they hear is they hear the farthest extent. They hear that we're putting our stamp of approval and endorsing what could be if liberty goes unchecked. This is a profound comment. This is a, this is a good comment. This, I'm going to give credit to the commenter. This is Sheila Cole, a longtime listener. All right. So, um, they're, 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 people push back, people get upset, and they may see the scriptural content to be true. But they become afraid of the slippery slope that could open the floodgates of denominational abuse down the road. As opposed to, keeping with the truth, and if the error comes up, dealing with it then, rather than stifle liberty for fear of falling into apostasy. So, Douglas Connolly, I'm going to push back against that just a little bit. John chapter 19, verse 11, uh, Jesus acknowledges that there that that one person sinned and that sin was greater than another person's sin. So all sin separates from God, but not all sin is equal in in God's eyes. So uh, that may be a podcast for another time, but um brother brother Connolly's but brother Connolly's uh comment is I really think there's no farthest nor no closest to sin. Sin is sin no matter what what the case is. And that's in response to um, what I was talking about earlier when I first started with my ministry and first started doing things online. 
people would ask, well, is it sin to do this? Is it sin to do that? And there is a line in which there's a line of demarcation between sin and not sin. And I used to think people wanted to get as close to that line as they possibly could without going over it. And that, that's the point I was making. Um, but I don't think that's the case. I think people want to do what's right. And I think that's, that's, what, that, that's what this uh, commenter, that's what Sheila was talking about. And, and she was giving that in response to something I said in that other podcast. So what, what, how do we deal with this? Okay. So would it be wise for a congregation of the Lord's people to stifle the liberty we have in Christ and to bind much more closely, even where God hasn't bound, just because something could happen down the road? Well, I would say no. I would say that's a slippery slope fallacy. Well, what about us? Should we be so scrupulous that we can't do anything? Or should we enjoy our freedoms in Christ? Let me ask you this. Let's say that you gave someone you loved a gift. And that was a precious gift. They thanked you for it. And let and and then they just put it in a box and put it in a closet. They never looked at it. They never used it. They never benefited from your gift. And let's say that that gift cost you a lot of money and you had to sacrifice your time, your resources, and you worked really hard in order to give that gift. And the person upon whom you bestowed that gift did not enjoy it at all. How would that make you feel? Remember John 10.10, Jesus came that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus died in part so that you and I might enjoy an abundant life. I don't think Jesus wants us walking around so scared to enjoy this life because something we do might open the floodgates and it lead to sin. I think he wants us to arm ourselves and set ourselves for the defense of the gospel. Go to Ephesians chapter 6 and read that list. We, we, we need to get in our battle gear, and we need to enjoy the life we have. And that leads me into talking about this slippery slope. I really think that the fear of doing wrong and the fear of displeasing God, coupled with the desire to please God, and the desire not to do anything wrong leads to very well-meaning people becoming tyrannical. And they don't mean to do it. All right? Now, let me, let me, I'm, going, I'm not going to be able to see your comments for a minute. Let me read something. The slippery slope argument in logical, critical thinking, political rhetoric, rhetoric and case law is an argument in which a party asserts that a relatively small first step leads to a chain of related events culminating in some significantly or some significant, usually negative effect. The core of the slippery slope argument is that a specific decision under debate is likely to result in unintended consequences. A good example, well, we cannot 
have, we cannot take a Sunday afternoon and invite the community to the church building parking lot where we have bouncy houses and uh, refreshments. We can't do that. Why? Because they will think that that's what we're all about and that that's worshiping to God, and that will cause us to move farther away from the core and we'll slip off into doing what the denominations do. That is a slippery slope argument. All right? This one, this one small step of having a bouncy house and, and grilling hot dogs and inviting the community, it, it, it's being asserted that that will end in the church being apostate. So what happens? That kind of idea and community outreach is stifled. When in reality, there's nothing in Scripture that forbids it. It is absolutely authorized. It falls under the work of the church as uh, as, uh, evangelism, as benevolence, and as edification. So, listen to this. The strength of such an argument depends on whether the small step really is likely to lead to the effect. This is quantified in terms of what is known as the warrant. In this case, a demonstration of the process that leads to the significant effect. This type of argument is sometimes used as a form of fear-mongering in which the probable consequences of a given action are exaggerated in an attempt to scare the audience. Let me tell you, I had a conversation with an elder one time, and he says, we do not allow any mechanical instruments of music in the church building, even for a wedding. You can, you, you, we'll, we'll, let you, we'll let you play an instrumental over the loudspeaker, but you cannot bring a piano or any other mechanical instrument of music and play it in a wedding. And I said, really? Well, why is that? And he said, he used these words, he said, because it's a slippery slope. Because if we allow people to do that, then it won't be long we'll end up with a piano during worship service. And I'm like, hey, you know, I, I didn't argue with him. I wasn't going to say anything. I was a visiting speaker, not the congregation where I attend. He's not my shepherd. And even if it was the congregation that I attended, and even if he were my shepherd, I wouldn't go against that. Even though I believe that is an actual slippery slope fallacy, it is the eldership's job to rule in these areas. But I just wanted to give you that example. Now, however, differentiation is, an, is necessary since in other cases it might be demonstrable that the small step is likely lead to, is likely to lead to an effect. So we know that that well let me put it like this. Because there is a slippery slope fallacy, then there must actually be a slippery slope. Now I'm going to go back to where I can actually see your comments. Good evening, and listen, I, I, know I've, I know I've jumped in here and I haven't said hi to everybody in the comment section like I normally do. Thank you so much for being here, and I'm glad you're here, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed, if you have a significant other, I hope you enjoyed a good romantic day and evening with your significant other. Now, 
there wouldn't be a slippery slope fallacy if there wasn't indeed a slippery slope. How does this affect how we are governed in the Lord's church? The eldership, well, actually, I'm gonna, we're going to read a couple of scriptures. One is Hebrews 13, starting in verse 17. Listen to this. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now, let's keep going over here. First uh, Peter chapter 5. The elders who are among you... Did I say Hebrews? Anyway, Hebrews 13, uh, 17 is what I read. And then he, uh, First Peter 5, starting in verse 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort. I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers. That carries with it the the shepherd and overseer part. That carries with it a certain amount of authority. If we didn't have the um, if we didn't have the commandment here, obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch for your souls as those who must give an account. If we didn't have that verse, we could still understand that elders were in authority and we need to obey them from First Peter chapter 5. So shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords, tyrants, over those entrusted to you, but, be, but being in sample, examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Now, the elders must rule. Somebody has to make these decisions. Where do the elders rule? Well, logically, elders only rule in matters of expediency. Folks, elders are the watchmen and guards of the slippery slope. Elders are the watchmen, the keepers of the slope that is slippery. For instance, there may be nothing sinful in and of itself about putting a Christmas tree in the foyer of a church building. The elders may say, you know what? That's a bridge too far for us. It is our judgment that if we start doing that, that other denominational influence will come in. That is absolutely reasonable. Absolutely. Think about, I think about the little small town of Bay, Arkansas. The small town of Bay, Arkansas is 1,800 people. At least that's what it says on its, on its uh, population sign. The residents of Bay feel like they were cheated in the last census, and they think they have more. So you judge for yourself whether or not these things be so. The town is very cohesive. I mean, the, the girls won the championships, and when they come back, all the town lined the main street. I mean, it was like something out of a television. This town is really, it's a community. And guess what they do during the Halloween season? They have a, they have a fall festival, Halloween slash shindig, where there is a party, a party, a parade. 
Now, it's associated with the fall, and it's associated also with Halloween. Would it be sinful for the Bay Church of Christ to put a float in that parade and the Church of Christ be throwing out candy and pamphlets? You know what? I don't know if I could find you a book, chapter, and verse that would prohibit that. But what I can do is I can sit down and I can talk to the eldership of the Bay Church of Christ and I could ask them, would it be expedient, would it expedite carrying out our great commission for evangelism? Would it expedite carrying out the work of the church in benevolence? Would it expedite carrying out the work of the church in edification? Or would it impede? What do you think the elders would decide? Well, I tell you what they did decide. They decided that in that location for that time, that having a float in that parade would impede the work of the church. It may be that there is another city that has a different, a different demographic, a different uh, mood, a different, uh, uh, I'm, I'm losing the word now. Anyway, there may be a different city and a different circumstance where the elders would say that doesn't impede the work of the church, but that does expedite it. That's why we have congregational autonomy. I think about this tradition that we have in the South called trunk or treat. Look, you can't do trunk or treat in every location. Who decides whether or not you can? It's the elders. Now, why would they decide against it? Because if we start doing trunk or treat, we can see that small step and we can see this progression down this slope and we can and we can we can see that this is going to lead to something that's negative. All right. So there is something very, very wise in recognizing that there is a slope and it is slippery indeed. But where we don't need to where where we need to recognize that we also do not need to allow this slippery slope to be a fallacy. And we don't need to allow the fact that the slippery slope exists to stifle the church and to lord authority over a group of people. So I'm trying to think of a really good example where the slippery slope fallacy was um, was used. Well, I tell you one way is... Uh, this whole idea of not eating in the church building. Not some people. Some people think that if you uh, and when I say I don't mean the the quote unquote antis or anything like that. I'm talking about um, you know you know somebody comes in and brings a cup of coffee. I remember I did a podcast not too long ago when I talked about uh, drinking coffee during the worship service, and there were some folks that were just offended. They said, well, you can't drink coffee in the worship service. I'm like, why not? And it was literally because it would lead to so much other stuff. Well, well that's the slippery slope fallacy. You see, the, the answer 
the guard against the slippery slope fallacy is studying to show yourself approved unto God, workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let me go over here. I won't be able to see your comments for a moment. Let me go back over here. And I want to talk about, um, there's this other, I I looked this up. This is from Grammarly.com. What is the slippery slope fallacy? Well, here's a quick example of it. If you don't take honors courses, you won't get into a good college. Obviously, taking a rigorous course load as a high schooler generally makes you a more attractive applicant to colleges. But to claim that you can get accepted to a highly ranked college without taking honors courses is, in fact, inaccurate and fallacious. That's what separates the slippery slope fallacy from from logically extrapolating how a scenario will likely turn out. Instead of saying, if you don't take honors courses, you won't get into a good college, be more precise. If you don't take honors courses, your college application may be less attractive to a good college. Now, if we can word and if we can start thinking in this way, then we won't ever fall prey to the slippery slope fallacy. In other words, we won't be using the slippery slope fallacy to fearmonger and we won't be using the slippery slope fallacy to uh, stifle our liberties in Christ. For instance, if you have a bouncy house and, and a grill out on Sunday afternoon, then the community will think we're all just about fun and games and we'll be no better than the, than the denominations. That's a slippery slope fallacy. That, there's a bunch of different steps that would have to take place first. Instead, what we need to do, what we need to say is, if we have a, a couple of bouncy houses and a cookout on Sunday afternoon, if we don't have a focus on Jesus, if we don't show that this is separate from what we do as far as the liturgical service of the New Covenant, then it's possible we could give the wrong idea to the people that we invite. Now, from that platform, from that foundation, we can have a much better discussion in order to decide whether or not that's something we want to do. It's kind of like trunk or treat. Well, if we have trunk or treat, then the community is going to think we're a bunch of devil worshipers, and everybody will think we're no different than the the denominations. Well, that's a slippery slope fallacy. If we have trunk or treat, it is possible that because this is a secularly fun and easy thing to do, that we will become complacent and our minds will be taken off spiritual things and we may be less likely to plan events that are less quote-unquote fun in nature. Now, that's a true statement, and that, from that foundation, we can actually have a really good, healthy discussion about the expediency then of having uh, an event like trunk or treat. These are things we need to think about. These are things we need to discuss. We need to be very open. And just because there is a slope and just because it is slippery, we don't need to stifle. We don't need to uh, what's a good word here? Stifle is a good word, but I also want to communicate something as well. We don't need to stifle our liberties in Christ 
We also don't need to spurn. We don't need to turn our nose up at the wonderful gift of freedom for which Jesus died in order for us to enjoy. How sad would it be if we did not enjoy our liberties in Christ out of fear? I don't fear that I'm going to do the wrong thing because I'm always making sure that I'm within the parameters of God's legislation. Slippery slope and thinking about the slippery slope is a very good thing. But we don't want to be so focused on the slippery slope that we forget that we actually have to live and act and be in this world. Folks, I think that's all I've got. I know that we didn't have a digital Bible study connect tonight. I know that usually um, there's a lot of things done different, but because of Valentine's Day and stuff like that, we, uh, we're just having the cogitations. There's 26 people in here listening. That blows my mind. Um, 16 of you are on the Digital Bible Study Facebook page. Listen, be sure and um, share this content. Be sure and comment if you haven't commented. Uh, be sure and give a like. I really appreciate uh, having access to the platform. I enjoy teaching and presenting on digitalbiblestudy.org. Um, this, these podcasts that I do are archived on Spotify, um, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, uh, Apple Podcast, and Podbean. Elaine McClung, that's the hardest place to find the middle line. Absolutely, yes. Yes, the hardest place to find the middle line. You know, we need to be careful. Um, you, you just brought something to mind. I cannot remember who said this in my hearing the first time, but I thought it was rather profound. There are some people who think that because the denominations enter into their church buildings through the front door, that we in the Church of Christ must climb in through the windows. Because, you know, if we start doing what the denominations do, it's just a few short steps until we are a denomination. Folks, that's a slippery slope fallacy. You know, there are some things that the denominations do right that we don't do, that we could be doing. And if we did it, not only would they be right, but they would be right with a good dose of scriptural soundness, of scriptural truth. That means they would be more effective. You know, the denominations have a bus ministry. The denominations, um, they, they have uh, battered women's shelters. They have drug addiction units. Why don't the Church of Christ do that? Well, you know, we don't want to be like the denominations because then we'll be a denomination. You see how you made that one step to start figuring out how in your local area you could help battered women, you could help drug addiction, you could help homeless people, you could have a homeless shelter, you'd have a soup kitchen. Well, how, how, But we might end up like the denominations. That's a slippery slope fallacy. And, and what we've done, we've allowed the slippery slope fallacy to stifle our liberty and to keep us from being effective in the world. So think about these things. 
try not to get trapped by the slippery slope fallacy. If you want to enjoy a liberty in Christ, make sure you know where the boundary is. Make sure you know where it leaves the realm of liberty and enters into the realm of legislation. Make sure you know where it leaves the realm of liberty and enters into the realm of legislation. And how do you do that? You ask questions. You know, if you've got a question about a particular issue, that a liberty that you enjoy, is this in the bounds of liberty or, or have I left liberty and entered into legislation? And you can talk about it with somebody and talk about it with somebody that you trust that won't bind their particular set of scruples onto you. I've always said one of the hardest things for an elder, one of the hardest things for an evangelist, a teacher, a gospel preacher to do is to teach the Bible and answer a Bible question in such a way that the person who needs the question answered is given is, is given an answer in such a way that makes them draw a conclusion that gives them more liberty than the person who answers the question enjoys themselves. In other words, I think about some issues with um, marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Marriage, divorce, and remarriage is very cut and dry in certain areas. In certain areas, it's not. And I've had to answer questions before about marriage, divorce, and remarriage that the person drew the conclusion that they had a right to remarry or they had a right to be married where there's no way I could enjoy that particular liberty. But I also couldn't find a book, chapter, and verse that legislated their particular situation. We need to be very careful about that. And again, that, that all ties into the slippery slope fallacy. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate the insight of Sheila, Sheila Coe's comment I truly believe people get upset when we talk about this kind of stuff, even though they may see the scriptural the scriptural content to be true. They become afraid of the slippery slope to the point that that it could open the floodgates of denominational abuse down the road, rather than keeping with the truth. In other words, rather than keeping with the truth of this of this uh, scriptural content, they stifle the liberty for fear of falling into apostasy. So the answer is you deal with, you have this line on the slippery slope and you don't go farther than that line. And if somebody does go farther than that line, you deal with it then. But you can't preemptively cut somebody off and treat them as if they've already gone over it. Just a wonderful, insightful comment. And I would hope you would go back into the archives and listen to um, that podcast. In fact, that particular podcast is in video format on my personal Facebook profile under Tony Brewer. I was doing a test and seeing what Facebook's algorithm would do if I just up and went live on my personal profile. And we got we got a fair few people watching. But anyway, that's all I've got here. I hope I've given you something to think about. I hope I've wet your whistle for more study in this area. I hope I've wrinkled your brain. I hope I've told you some stuff you never thought of before. And I hope that I have given you, I have empowered you to look at the liberty that Christ has given us. And maybe, just maybe, you can go out there and, and enjoy your liberty in Christ where previously you might not have been able to. Thank you so much for all your comments. Thank you for liking the podcast. Thank you for sharing. 
And um, this has been Tony Brewer with Cogitations. And be sure and subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio. Follow me on Cogitations Facebook page, and we'll catch you on the flip side.